Welcome to episode four of Glorio's King of the Kaiju. You haven't driven us off yet, we've come back for another. Um, this week, this week, this month. It's this uh, week as to, well. It, I suppose it's technically this week, it just depends on which week you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, we're... Uh, <laughs> in case you're marathoning all of these years yeah. in the future. Just so that it, it doesn't feel strange to be listening to this in a year's time if you've just discovered this and are wondering what on earth were they talking about um we are we watched space amoeba um alternatively alternatively gazora ganime kamiba kesen nankai no daikaiju or in uh, english gazora ganimus and kamibus decisive battle giant monsters of the south seas i don't know why seas is plural there's only one of them in the movie but we'll get to that i suppose mm-hmm. um yeah it's, it's another toho movie but um it's i guess it's our second film um that isn't in the uh godzilla universe per se it kind of is counted in some ways because i think tokyo sos kind of considers it in canon even though none of those monsters ever show up again um but it 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 might as well be standalone there's no real it makes no allusions to any other kaijus existing everybody seems largely surprised by the fact that these creatures exist largely surprised by these largely monsters they're not really large they're just big animals for the most part i think they're monsters well (laughs) We're the real monsters. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's it's nice, I guess, to kind of see some monsters that, uh, well, neither, neither of us were familiar with, um, and three of them to boot, as, as told in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll move on to our fun fact corner. We have a few of them this time. Oh, okay. Um, this uh, film received a theatrical release in the United States in 1971 under the title Yog Monster from Space. <laughs> which which was then later licensed as uh, a, as, a, as an ad for Froobs. <laughs> the Yog. It's like a, it's a milkshake, isn't it? Or, Froobs, oh no, Froobs is just Petty Falou in tubes. Ah, that's true. I remember what it was like to be a child. <laughs> You're thinking of um, Yop. Yes, I think I was. Yop was shit. It was never as good as Fridge with two J's. I mean, yeah, because Fridge was milkshake and Yop was this weird yogurt thing. Wait, was it actually meant to be a yogurt? I just thought it was like disgustingly runny milkshake. Well, this is a quick sidetrack, but now I've got to look <laughs> this up. Yop. Um, whilst whilst Koans does that, uh, Yog, the name Yog uh, for the title of the Space Amoeba was uh, taken from Lovecraft's Yog Sofoff. Uh, so not from Yop, which is actually super a uh, yogurt drink. No, uh, Yop got its name from Yog. Okay. Um, apparently, the the name of the space amoeba in Japan was just Uchu Amoeba or Space Amoeba, so nothing that exciting there. But someone decided it would be a good idea to name it after a Lovecraftian deity. I guess <laughs> is it a god? Uh, yeah. Do you? Hmm. There's a question that occurs to me with you mentioning that in Japan it was just called Uchu Amoeba. Is that mm-hmm. what they were calling it? Because I don't think it, at any point in the film they learn that it's an amoeba. I think they just call no. it. It's subtitled a space creature, but I don't know what they 
Uh, from what I understand, it's never it's not dressed in the movie for sure, but I believe it's in the credits because the amoeba speaks right at the beginning of it, and also uh, towards the end. Yeah. Yes. So I believe it is how it's um, credited, but I'm not sure. Uh, the next fun fact is this was the first Toho Kaiju movie made after the death of special effects director Eiji Tsuburaya. Oh. Um, interestingly, he was on this project, but he, I think he was literally, he died a few days after filming started. So he's he's credited, I believe, but um, the, all the work was done by his former protege, Sadamasa Arakawa, who... Uh, he's he's the director of special effects for this film, and I think he's he becomes a bit of a mainstay on Toho Kaiju films for a bit. Okay. Um, interestingly, as well, uh, the film the production crew wanted to include a message at the beginning of the film, dedicating the film in his memory, uh, but Toho decided against it. That that's do do we know why? Because like, there as far as far as I know, there's no reason out there. Um, it seems weird. It seems like a super appropriate thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even a case of he got more uh, his popularity boosted like post death or anything. He was already like notable in film special effects, not just because of original Godzilla, but for other films as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the original Godzilla alone would be a hell of a hell of a legacy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so Toho didn't include uh, the mention, and uh, Arakawa, the protege, refused to speak about this film entirely because of it. Whoa. Uh, afterwards, so people were not thrilled about that decision. Um, and uh, final fun fact I guess that last fact wasn't really a fun one, but <laughs> it's a fact nonetheless. Um, the prayer song of the islanders, who we'll, we'll hear more about in a little bit. Uh, their their prayer song was reused from the Faroe Islanders chant from King Kong versus Godzilla. So if you've seen that film before, you may recognize it. <laughs> Top stuff. Mm. It's not a film I've seen personally, <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla. But is it on the list? It yes. Every kaiju film in existence is on the list. Okay, good. Unless I haven't found it, in which case it's not. But it will be eventually, I'm sure. Cool. Good to know. But yes, it's. We will get to that one uh, soon enough, but it's not really that surprising considering, like, even just monster suit reuse and music reuse. We've heard the Godzilla theme in non-Godzilla films already, so yeah, and also like just screeches. Like many of the monster screeches sound extremely Godzilla-esque in this. Mm-hmm. Not quite as much as Rodan did. Yeah, um, and like even the the Islanders chart was like not super important i feel like they just had a bunch of extras and they wanted to make some use out of them before yeah monsters showed up but yep so yeah whatever it is what it is um those are the fun facts mm-hmm. um uh, i guess we'll get on to the film itself sure can i can i mention that i i love this opening credits style <laughs> same <laughs> so it's 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 one of those things which you couldn't get away with these days it's i love it because it it kind of speaks more about the 70s when this film came out uh less so about like 
how good or imaginative it is. So what they do is, uh, it's, this was true of the last film we watched as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they open the film with like a second, maybe half a second long clips of like close-ups of the monsters that we are going to be seeing flailing about or whatever. And then they freeze frame on just any old frame. doesn't matter how blurry it is. Uh, and then put text on that. And then they I do that like... like four or five times over dramatic music as the opening mm-hmm. credits. I feel like we had some good shots of like monster shoulder at points. It wasn't really clear what we were seeing in the still oh, frames. Never clear. It's super blurry. Yeah. But uh, I love it. Yeah, it's it's got an aesthetic to it. I'm into that. It's not great, but I love it anyway. <laughs> um, so we we kind of cut the 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 film kind of goes straight into a uh, rocket launch, a, a a framing device that we don't come back to for a pretty long time after it's first established. Yeah, there was a there was a point like I feel like about halfway through this film where we just kind of come to the realization that this whole bit wasn't addressed yet yeah um open so the opening sequence is there's this there's this rocket launch and it's this uh unmanned probe going to jupiter i think yeah uh it's important that it's unmanned for a thing that happens later whereby later (laughs) i mean in the next scene um we see this probe going towards jupiter and some narration about what its mission is it's going to come back in three years um but then it 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 encounters the space amoeba in space, which seeps its way into the cabin, question mm-hmm. mark, of this probe, um, and then operates the like human controls, question mark, um, and just turns it around, just like I'm turning this car around style, 180 degrees, blast in the other direction. Yep. Goes off it's- home. It's uh, it's if you're familiar with that fist of the North Star gift, where gif even where Kenshiro catches an arrow in midair, turns it around, and it continues going in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like that. <laughs> it's very that. This 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 ship is literally not moving. It just pivots in place and fucks off in the opposite direction. Yep, it's really good. Um, and it and and it crashes. It crashes on Earth. Uh, in well, it crashes in the ocean. Uh by flying past the window of a plane that is uh and, and is seen by a reporter friend of ours, which is a framing device that we've seen had two we've now had two films in a row, right? Like the the story being seen through the lens of this reporter. Uh I straight up I've already forgotten everything that happened in Ghidorah, so there was this reporter who go with a maybe. Okay, there was the reporter who started um, hanging out with the like aliens exist people. Oh, you're right. Yes, there was that. Um, yeah, you're right. And was assigned right. and was assigned to some weird thing. Um, and that's kind of the same thing that happened. There's a there's a couple of things in this film that are really similar to other films we've already watched. <laughs> we'll get to that. Number one, they have giant monsters. Well, yes, but also we'll get to it. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we 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 we've got this uh, we've got this reporter who explains to us the audience, which yep. is weird, that uh, they want to go to space. Um, they see this probe from the window of the plane, um, 
Uh, and then they have their boss who is not interested in this space nonsense. Nope. Um, well, it, it's not that he's not interested in the space nonsense. He's that it's that the the fact that the probe did a one eighty and came back is just so much bullshit that he doesn't believe the guy saw it. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, he didn't actually get any photos. Yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate. But apparently he is a very good photographer because some other people approach him. I think it's worth pointing out that when he spots the probe uh, parachuting um, through the sky from his cabin, uh, from the cabin of the uh, plane, he is also thinking of the probe at the time. It is very good and coincidental timing. I'm not convinced I buy that that happened at exactly the same time. I feel like a, sure. I feel like a fair read of that is this whole like because it's so we don't like he's not talking it's it's like an inner no. monologue thing I I could imagine it being like this is him remembering the flight and he's thinking I like space stuff and also I saw this space thing sure okay that's me being generous though the the obvious read is as you said he was thinking those things and then the probe comes past the window yeah that, that's not how I interpreted it but it it's valid. It is. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's he, after his run-in with the uh, who I assume is the editor in chief of that newspaper, magazine, whatever it is. Mm. Um, he is approached by a young woman who uh, basically wants his uh, photo-related expertise in taking some glamour shots of a new, or not a new island, but an island that they're planning to develop. Uh, a resort on yeah they want to they want to sell it to tourists or whatever yeah so they they basically sit him in a room and say hey look we we really want you to take some good photos of this we hear you're a good photographer and he's basically no fuck off i want to go take some photos of this space probe um then like a doctor friend of his who has not come up before just shows up and reintroduces himself as an old friend and talks about this uh, island that they want glamour shots of being a monster island. And then there's the realization that the probe happened to land right next to it. Yep. Uh, so they all go off there anyway. <laughs> um, they don't really... I, I had to watch this scene again because uh, we were under the impression that the, the monster island was called that because there was already a monster there. Um, there are already legends of a monster there, I think. No, so this I I rewatched it, and and all the doctor says is it's a monster island. He kind of doesn't go into it. I think like the the uh, kind of what we're meant to get from that is that it's an island with a bunch of weird and interesting species of animal on it. I, rather than kaiju, I the reason I disagree with that interpretation is that and again i don't think that the the people wanting to build this resort actually believe any of this no i think the interpretation is there are a bunch of people who live on this island who like worship this monster god mm. that we don't ever see because it lives underwater or whatever but they believe it does i think i yeah, there, there's. I could believe that the the people on that island would believe in something, but it's not the monsters that we see in this film. Sure, I mean it can't be because, well, yeah, the, the, it's 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 specifically the first monster that made me go back and check because I wanted to get my timeline sorted on that because 
there are some impressions we got that were not true. Fair enough. Um, but yes, uh, basically everyone decides to head off. They also get joined on the um, f- on the ferry over by a guy who is incredibly Bond villain looking. He's wearing like a white suit and hat. Uh, he's got like a very thin mustache. Um, generally looks up to no good and is very wishy-washy about where he's from and what he does when asked. Uh, but he tags along anyway. You continue. You th- this is the guy that you were uh, comparing to Eisen, right? Uh, yes, he he reminds me a lot of uh, the president from Ultraman. Rube. A, a touchstone that I'm sure all everyone in our audience will be familiar with. Aizen from Ultraman Rube. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I, hey, look, I, I'm not expecting anyone to know who the fuck that is, but considering that's what we were calling him for the majority of the film, and considering what happens to him in the majority of that film, I think it's worth it's worth stating for the one person that may understand it. Yeah, I think we're going to stick to... Yeah. Um... I I don't know what it is about this uh this boat sequence, um. Mm. But it's not just Aizen, like the entire scene is weirdly reminiscent of a Bond scene, like this the, this wood paneling background, the way it's lit. I don't know what it is. It just really reminds me of like a a seventies Bond film. Yeah, it's it it's hard to describe because it's not like the the scenes themselves are not like playing out in a way that you would expect a bond movie to so it's less it's i feel like it's more about the composition of these shots that that make them feel like a bond production but also we kind of alluded to it in that last uh in the last episode that right around the time of these two films coming out uh the james bond film you only live twice came out and it featured uh, a few of the actors from Ghidorah in it. And I wonder, considering that film released two years before this one did, uh, if there were any kind of, I say, inspiration regarding some of the, the uh, camera shots and shot composition as to why that might actually feel like it's a Bond production more so than any of the other films we've seen. It's weird. Like, I don't know. I, I, hmm. I mean, it, it, it could be that. I don't know if there was any people in common in the production stuff or anything. Uh, not that I know of, but yeah. I also don't know if I recall any other scenes in this film feeling like that, but I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, certainly not when all the monster stuff starts happening. No, but, um, yes. I feel like... It's the um, actually like, there is one scene that I'm thinking of that is uh, kind of Bondish. Sure, actually, I think I know what you're talking about. It's it's a strangle a strangling scene, is what I'm thinking. Okay, of. that's not the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of the diving one. Oh yes, there is also that. Yeah, that entire setting is yes. Mm. No, I'm thinking of a but- scene where someone approaches someone, throttles them with all their might, and does absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Um I mean it, I, I guess it's hard to say one way or the other whether or not it's you know, there's like a good reason as to why uh it feels particularly bondish, but it, it nonetheless it does. Mm. Um and honestly it's it's nice because I feel like a lot of the films we've seen so far are very similar, not just because they're monster movies, but they're all very interchangeable, if you know what I mean. You could probably throw 
the human drama in on one or the other film and just swap the monster movie bits around and they would still be largely the same. Mm. Um, whereas this, it kind of, it feels like there's a lot going on. Um, not like Ghidorah and five plot threads and none of it matters going on, but but it feels like there's a lot of like kind of, there is a plot. I don't think it's done particularly well, but I feel like it is approached in a way that we haven't seen before yes and i think most of it centers around the development of <laughs> well Eisen. yeah it's it's him particularly i think that makes this very bondish yes yes so we we basically after everyone arrives on the island um we see the the party kind of marching up the mountain and uh, it, it seems like a mountain anyway uh where they're kind of heading towards the uh, the people that live there, um, and we hear a, lo- a loud scream from uh, the uh, from the lady who wanted the photos taken, whose name escapes me. I've written it down here somewhere, though. Hoshino. Um, she screams. Everyone kind of turns around and asks, "What's up?" Uh, turns out there's just a turtle. It's an adorable, adorable little turtle. Yeah, it's. Uh... They do explain here that it's a matter-matter turtle, which is important, kind of. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a, at the time it felt a bit like a jab at Gamera. I don't think it was. Now knowing what the rest of this film was, but <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, there was something about just screaming at a turtle and having everyone say, "What are you doing? It's just a turtle." Like they, it, it did seem very jabby. So they have this turtle sequence. Mm-hmm. I don't recall any uh, foreshadowing with uh, crabs or nope. s- or squids. Nope. The the only I mean it's not even foreshadowing. This the the squid shows up as a monster. We do not see any mentions yeah. or it's weird. or other it's squid weird. related stuff. It's weird that they choose to foreshadow the turtle. Yeah, I I don't know, but they <laughs> did. <laughs> Um, we we also then get a scene with some fishermen who we've not met before, um, and basically they they I, f- I believe that they are not islanders because they do acknowledge that they're not meant to be fishing where they are, and they basically just say, "Oh, who gives a shit? There's no reason yeah. why we shouldn't just fish here anyway." Yeah, um, they're just like, "Oh, so they, we, we're going we're going to be feeding the tourists who are at the resort." Yeah, like we need um, to make sure this is viable. So they fish into the ocean. They do acknowledge that the ocean is very cold, which very very cold. You know, it's kind of stating the obvious a little bit. But I don't know. Like, like it is, I, it's it's it, not it's not Scotland. They are ostensibly in a reasonably warm place, and in warm places I mean, the I, sea is not like ice. Sure, but I, I feel like the shot itself didn't feel particularly bright either. Like. Maybe it was just dark, darkly lit, or you know they that's, were in shade. That's it true, didn't but, feel like... but but as you can vouch for, you can have like a, a beautiful, warm-looking ocean shot, but the water's actually really cold. Yeah, I the the the, the problem I have with with the scene is that it, it is important that the water is cold, as we'll we'll find out in a second. But they don't kind of mention like the kind of gravity of that, or rather, quite how cold it was. I I feel I feel like they absolutely like for for me the the water it's like ice thing was a a pointing out something that presumably because they got they they'd arrived on a boat 
mm. on like a little dinghy. So they had touched the water before. So they knew what temperature it should be. So pointing out yeah. that it's like ice to me was like a, that's super weird. And the way the characters read it also felt like they were reading it as a big deal. Uh, I, I feel like it just needed them to be a bit more cautious about it because they pretty much say, well, fuck it, whatever, and start fishing anyway. Uh, rather, you know, because it could just have been a throwaway comment. I, obviously, it wasn't. They were talking about the actual temperature of it. It just didn't feel important at the time, I guess. It didn't feel important to them. Um I oh. guess I guess I was just reading them as like a horror movie throwaway character who <laughs> had to do a thing. I'm I'm excusing completely completely incoherent behavior on their part. Um I suppose. It's weird that you would describe them as uh horror movie victims uh considering what happens. Well, yes. So the water is like ice and uh the the people on the island have told them not to fish cuz their god monster will get upset at them and heaven forbid and it doesn't and one of them dies <laughs> <laughs> um basically a, a big old squid tentacle reaches out of the ocean pulls one of them in uh-huh uh, the other one runs away in horror and we get our first shot of it's like 10 minutes into the film and we've already had a really good shot of the monster it's not yes. it's not the full body but we see the whole head we it kind of like pokes its head out of the water a little bit yeah, and we see the eyes acknowledges yeah it's very good yep um and yeah it's a big old it's a big old squid nightmare it's good stuff yeah it 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 doesn't hang around but it's a good good intro to to who we will know to be gazora um and yeah so we 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 then kind of cut back to the main crew or who are on the island who are in a cave i can't remember why they're in a cave but they're in a cave now because they need to foreshadow bats. <laughs> Did they at this point? I don't remember. Actually, that's a good point. I don't know if there were any bats in this cave. No, because they um, they hang around the water inside this cave and they acknowledge that there's a... Uh, was it a watch? Yeah, I think it was a watch that was thrown out of the water by the uh, squid monster, which yes. petrifies the, the guy who survived, who saw his friend who owned that watch get eaten by it. Yep. Um, which I feel is an understandable thing to be freaked out by. Yeah. Um, either that or they just really didn't like the brand of that watch, but they don't really go into it. <laughs> um, and very shortly afterwards, I believe that Gozora just shows up and just decides, ah, now's time to yep. do monster kaiju stuff and it's, come on it's, land. It's the 21 minute 50 second mark where we see uh, just full walking around giant squid. Mm-hmm. Um, we are calling it a squid, even though it isn't technically a squid. Um, it is apparently a kisslip cuttlefish. Yeah, that's another one that I I don't know what the. I so I I looked it up. It does look pretty squid-like, I guess, but you wouldn't mistake it for an actual squid if you saw this cuttlefish. Well, I searched Wikipedia for kisslip cuttlefish, and the first result is space amoeba. Great, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so it, it, the cuttlefish in particular is is uh, I guess the reason why they they state that specific um, species of cuttlefish is that it's very upright, like the person in that costume is. It's because this squid is not like crawling along the floor; it is on 
the 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 actor inside it is standing on two legs and the the squid is like 90 degree angle i i want to i want to reassure the audience that while it is true that the, the things that you are saying is true are mm-hmm. true is the thing that you are saying is true um yep they do do a really good job of making this suit not look like a person in a suit yes Yes, uh, the suit is very silly, but if anything, they do a really good job of masking where the person's f- legs are in that suit. Yep. Um, because at the end of the day, like the, the person in that suit definitely just had two legs inside tentacles, um, or whatever, the cuttlefish, I don't know what you'd call them on a cuttlefish, because they're not technically arms, but... Um, there were there were a lot of these appendages at the front of this monster, and you couldn't tell which ones it was using to walk on, which is so good. having framed through a bunch of these sequences in order to make gifs out of them, mm. you can tell. Fair. But like casually first watch, it's not obvious at all. Yeah, yeah, it's which not. Is, it's is... not like a not some magic trick. You know what's happening, but it's not. It, it's it's pretty well done considering the the suit itself. Yep, and and all all the while, all, all the while they've got uh, I think it's two tentacles. Always the longest, the longest two tentacles are hanging out in front, presumably on some kind of like fishing line rig that someone's puppeteering. Mm-hmm. I want to see. Is... I want to see behind the scene shots of how they puppeteered this 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 costume. There, there is at least one scene where I saw fishing wire. Yes. So yes. There was definitely some puppeteering going on. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. So kind of Gazora just kind of rocks up and hugs a house. If I remember right. Yeah. It just kind of crashes through a house. Does does some kaiju stuff. Um, I believe this is also where he throws around uh, the island chief person. Uh, the chief throw happens about twenty minutes later in the film. Uh, oh, okay. This this scene is the one that traumatizes uh, the character who remains essentially mute from PTSD for the rest of the film. Yes, you're right. There is a second attack, which is where that comes in. Yep. But yeah, the, the uh, so that yeah, the, this this character that we're talking about was introduced on the beach. He's based, he's a native of the island and has some very broken Japanese. Uh, it's like acting as a Sherpa, as an ambassador for them. Yeah, yeah. He as a, as a translator, just, perhaps. Yeah, rocks around shirtless, looks confused, speaks not great Japanese, but otherwise, it, he yeah, he's just uh, he's he's just touring them around basically, or at least up until this point where he doesn't really do much of anything for most of the rest of the film. Yes, which again um, is this is another plot point that. Uh, happened in was it in Rodan or was it in where there was a character who was just mute from PTSD for most of the film so Rodan has that where it was PTSD Ghidorah has that because there was someone taking over the mind of someone else uh, we, uh, well we'll get we'll get to that later but uh-huh. yeah okay <laughs> yeah there's, there's, there, are, there are some themes in these kaiju films yeah, turns out <laughs> Um, yeah, so this guy gets attacked by Gazora, notably kind of gets constricted by these tentacles, and there's like some big, uh, I believe they're meant to be, it's frostbite, isn't it? They say it's frostbite, these yeah. kind of sucker marks that are left on him for this scene only. 
they disappear for the rest of the movie, but yeah, those frostbite marks are there for this. Yeah, fr- no, no, frostbite. Not just like cold red, it's black. There yeah, are black it's... soccer marks, and our, within hours, they're gone. Mm-hmm. It's good Makeup stuff. budget did not stretch that far. No. Uh, um, <laughs> we get the the journalist person and someone else going down underwater with a cool a cool like waterproof GoPro rig, but for a giant camera because it's yeah. what the sixties. Uh, closer to the seventies. Looking to get photos. Of, looking to get fo- nice. Looking to get photos of the probe, um, which they know is nearby. Yep. Um, and they are instead met by, you guessed it, a giant squid. Uh, sorry, a giant kisslip cuttlefish. A giant kisslip cuttlefish. Um. <laughs> Who again just does another attack, and then uh, it's all. This is the other sequence we were talking about that um, that reminded us of James Bond because there's some James Bond film I can't remember which that has like a massive action scene with a bunch of people with harpoon guns, and it's difficult to follow what's going on. It's not particularly entertaining. Um, Yeah, Austin Powers. Yes, that too. Um, The James Bond film Austin Powers. Yep. Um. But uh, we learn a couple more things about the uh, the squid in this moment. Dolphins scare it off for some reason. Yep. We also learn that it can squirt ink. Yes, this is the one and only time it demonstrates that. Yeah, I figured that was going to come up again, and it super didn't. Uh, well, I mean, it didn't feel so weird at the time, because we were still calling it a squid, but I wonder if kiss-lip cuttlefishes have anything to do with that. Probably not. <laughs> or do you reckon they can't squirt ink? Oh, a castlefish? Probably not. Seems like a very squid thing to do. Octopus thing to do. Well, in that case, this is a squid. It's a kisslip cuttlefish. But it can Film squirt ink. That. Okay. But, uh, marine biologists, get in touch. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm I'm looking it up on my phone. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Go on, carry on. I'll, I'll keep looking. Alright, okay. Uh, so, they, they managed to escape. Um... I can't remember if they actually successfully get pictures of the probe. Uh, I I believe it's implied that they do. It, it's not important at the end of the day because it never no, comes back true. up again. But that's true. Yeah. Uh, by this point, we have seen. Did do we actually see the space amoeba leave the probe? We see it get in the probe, and we see it a bit later. But I don't know that we actually see it. Mm, I don't think we do because I I believe that. Uh, the Gazora stuff happens just off camera. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we do. Okay. Um, so we the, the next the next the next hot scene uh, is well we we get an evening scene where there's some chat between uh, the visitors to the island uh, where we I th- is this where we learn that Eisen's a spy. He basically admits to it when we we see him um, steal some plans for the underwater resort. Because by the way, the resort's underwater now. Yep. They, um, this is yep. But yeah, he he kind of when when one of the I can't remember which character sees it happen, but one character witnesses him stealing a bunch of plans, mm. uh, and he comes clean pretty quickly. But yep, is uh, pretty good at explaining away the need to be wary about him because he's not 
a murder or anything at the end of the day. He's just a bit of a dickhead. But yeah, and I don't really understand why, especially given what happens later, why this is even necessary. It's super not necessary. And also there's a fun bit where we see all of the like island natives peeping at them while they're having this conversation, which is not of any consequence. No, there's... Uh... So something that could be interesting that I found out uh, while looking up fun facts for this film is that apparently the uh, the original script for this film was a lot more elaborate and had a lot more going on, had more monsters, apparently involved continents being sunk at some point. Um, and I assume there was more explanations of what these people's motives were. Probably. Okay. Uh, according to, uh, I believe it was Wikizilla, it was telling me that uh, the Toho were very adamant that the budget kept getting lowered whilst in production. Yeah, so. that makes sense. That makes that makes the next thing i was gonna say make sense which is mm. this is the part of the film where it gets really difficult to keep track of the passage of time yes because um as they go into like this village it appears to be night time in some of the shots and daytime in some of them and i'm not sure if we're su i'm not sure if they're supposed to have had a night's sleep before the next daytime scene which is mm. A ceremony See, that turns yeah i i i remember you mentioning this at the time i i wasn't super sold on it being night at the beginning of that scene but it was at the very least poorly lit yeah um it was hard to tell though like i it, it did not make it particularly clear yep um, um but they they have a uh that they they have a ceremony the village gets gets into gets into the beat of things into the swing of things and there it there's a thing we learn about this ceremony that upsets me tremendously mm. which is I, I i i can't even tell if it's the same ceremony like there Hmm. I don't know. How, what was your interpretation of this scene? What the the one that the one that is the one where the shaman guy, where where Moses gets yeah. grabbed and thrown? What? what? Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's hard because um, are they just trying to placate their god or some shit? I. So I'm not convinced that these islanders are. I don't know. I the the easiest explanation is to say that the the plot called for some uh, some island natives that are a little tribal, and therefore we've got this big kind of chant scene where we are meant to kind of fill in the gaps ourselves. I think, or perhaps it, the an older version of the script did. Yeah, because I could believe at one point that Gazora or one of the other monsters was meant to be their god, and it got rewritten. That would make a lot of things make a lot more sense, because there are bits of this script, there's just bits of this film, where it is strongly implied that they are worshipping Gazora, but based on what we know this thing is, that can't be right. Yeah. Um... 
yeah, the the island chief who looks like Moses is probably like one of the few people that doesn't run away from it. Yeah, he he like starts praying at it. Um and whether he's praying to it or praying to whatever god he does worship, uh it doesn't really matter. Gizora just picks him up and throws him and we believe for at least for a long time that he is dead at this point, but turns out he's not. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's <laughs> The scene is very strange. It's, it is. It's it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around. So yeah, like the big old squid shows up, trashes the town, mm-hmm. um, throws the town leader into a town is overselling it a little bit. Fair village. There's um, like four houses, and then uh, keeps trampling, gets mm-hmm. lured out by some people with rifles towards, eventually. Uh, gets set on fire with petrol. Yeah, there's there's like a big scene of where's all the petrol, and turns out there's petrol all over this fucking island. Yeah, it'll come up again. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, they just set the they just set Gazora on fire, and then the it wanders out into the sea and smells really good. Apparently, no one. This is a, a quick aside. No one ever mentions how good all of this frying seafood <laughs> smells. <laughs> Which seems like an obvious thing to point out. Yeah. Because I imagine, like, I-, I cannot imagine the events of this film transpiring in real life and nobody commenting on the smell, because it absolutely would. Yeah. Like, you've got, e- even just, like, this squid on fire, I know it's, like, a kind of a grim thing to, to think about, but it would smell pretty good, let's be fair. And th- then there's a crab that just full on explodes a bit later. I mean, that's, uh, like, literally the next thing that shows it up. It is. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, Squid waltzes off into the sea. Its whole head falls off, and we never see it again. Yep, it, it is dead. Or at least we believed we believe it's dead. As far as the yes. film is concerned, it is dead. That body is dead. Yeah, uh, yes. The uh, I guess the film hasn't gone into why that monster was giant yet, but... Uh, Nobody really seems to care. They're just too busy being into the idea that they've killed the giant monster. Yep. Uh, and Lit- then... liter- literally the next scene yep. uh, is Aizen in a boat <laughs> yep, with this... some oars, just in a dinghy, rowing seemingly towards land. Um, and there's uh, and some people are watching, to, so they get to see this. And, and, and he says to himself, the monster can't get me. Uh-huh. And, and then, then the monster gets him. The monster gets him. That's all. <laughs> and we see a pool of blood? Question mark. Like a lot of blood? Question it's, mark. It's a shitload of blood, and I cannot think of any other explanation as to what it's meant to be if it isn't blood. But it's absolutely, definitely blood. Yeah. And he, and it would have like, to have been from Eisen. Yeah. And yet he shows up again later. Not Just, only. Being able to walk and find like his clothes are dry and not covered in blood. He just like other than I, I believe he's wet. I believe we see him coming out of the ocean, but he is otherwise fine. Yep. Um, but the monster that takes him out? Question mark is a big old crab. It's a big old crab. Um, it's got some good like. I don't know if you would call a crab's mouth mandibles or jaws or what. Yeah, it's, but... it's got like two sets of vertical opening and closing mouth yeah. apparatus 
things. Very, very unsettling to look at. Yeah. Um, which, you know, positive when it's a big giant monster that you're meant to be scared of. Yeah, uh, it does, st- like, like the squid though, it does have big cute eyes. It's unfortunate for it. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> um, yeah, so this crab kind of rocks up on, on land and looks menacingly and very quickly they just shoot it in the eyes. Yep, both of them explode in like a genuinely kind of horrible piece of gruesome body horror. Yeah, and it's not like yeah, it's it's got like a bit of a pimple burst to it. It's, yeah, it's, that's a good that's a good comparison. It's not great. Um uh but then they lure it off of a cliff into another giant pile of petrol and blow it up. Yep, it just blows up. There are pieces of crab all over the island now. It uh, is. This is screen. also this is also mm. where we see Eisen come back, right? Because he just kind of yeah rocks is, up it, on land and and sees bits of the massive dead crab. Mm-hmm. This is where I start to get very confused. This crab had, uh, I say I start to get very confused. There's a lot about this film that doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. This crab has at this point five minutes of screen time. Yep. Like from first introduction to exploding in to many, many pieces mm-hmm. to the point where like there's just like a claw lying on the ground, a bit of carapace. Like it did not survive that explosion. Nope. And yet. So it is absolutely definitely a second crab and not the crab coming back to life but there is another crab i guess it get, it gets eyes it gets its eyes back right yeah the the so eyes are 100 percent alive uh okay. alive back whatever yeah um but in tow it's not just uh it's not just the crab this time we also have our third and final monster uh uh the big turtle or the little turtle from earlier but it's big now uh Maybe not specifically that turtle, but it's definitely that that species of turtle. Yes. Um, Except you, it's you... not a real one this time. It's a suit that has some some fun <laughs> points of articulation. It's uh, got a very extendable neck, which yeah. is at least true to Massa Massa turtles, which do actually have that. It's not oh, just really? something they invented. Yeah, I, I had to look it up because I wanted to make sure. Um Actually, while we're talking about animals, I did look up the uh, Kisslip cuttlefish. They they do have ink sacs. So, oh, okay. So fair enough, film. Um, yes, it's not just got ink because it looks like a squid. It actually genuinely has an ink sac. Cool. Um, while we're talking about biology and knowledge of it, mm-hmm. there's a there's a thing I've I've got highlighted in the doc right now, um, which is emblematic of another problem that. I assume is due to many, many rewrites, mm-hmm. uh, which is there's a scientist character who, as soon as like, as soon as as soon as they encounter these monsters, is like, well, our our Earth biology can't explain this, so it must be space creatures. Yep, and I believe I believe and, this is Monster get, Island guy from the beginning. Yes, yes, okay. Um, but he he immediately like as soon as he sees something that he can't personally explain using his current understanding of biology, mm-hmm. jumps straight to it must be space space creatures. Yeah. How however, 
He is also a huge authority in what is and is not possible for space creatures. And it turns out, is always right. I don't think he ever says something about this space creature that is just based purely on... Like, he knows they can pass through metal. He knows that um, they can make these giant creatures. Mm -hmm. He knows that they can't have killed all the bats. (laughs) Yep. Um, And he knows that the way that it died is actually going to keep it dead. So, yeah, this um Yeah, his his explanation as to what is happening on the island right now is never questioned. Um him announcing that it's space creatures isn't met with what are you talking about? It's just okay. Yeah. Sure. Um And we know it to be true because we saw the space creatures. Yeah. Like but stuff like it can pass through metal doesn't really make sense, like there's nothing to say that the uh, the probe didn't break open. Yep. Um, I assume maybe he said that because the amoeba must have got in whilst in space. But like, but again, it was on. It was an unmanned probe. Why would it need to be sealed once it was out there? I there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, pretty much everything he says is taken as gospel. And to be fair, he's right about literally everything. But, but there's no reason for him to know any of it. No. Um, he he read the script, basically, is why he had the answers. Yes. And again, maybe in an earlier version, they learn these things properly. But in the film as it, exists, as, as it exists, they don't. Yeah. Speaking of things that cannot be explained, why the hell... Do they then have a wedding with this character who is completely incapacitated? Um, so you know, like how uh, whenever anything bad happens in EastEnders, yeah. they have a party at the Queen Vic, and then someone else will die. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, it's that. They believe they're solving the problem when, in fact, they're just making it worse. So the character who we mentioned earlier who got the frostbite that healed very quickly and was very traumatized to the point where they couldn't speak mm-hmm. is being married. Yep. He to... did, we we did see his his other half occasionally but she didn't really have a huge role in the film in general other than to be married to him. Yeah. But like it I don't think they were engaged prior to the first attack no or at least they didn't mention it i like you could potentially read it as a i nearly lost him in this monster attack i feel like we should get married now oh that's a motive that i kind i think kind of makes sense yeah i i could believe it they don't say it it's me reading reading into it but and he's still like completely out of it at this wedding yeah he's like i can see proposing under that situation or at least resolving to propose yes but He's not responding. Yeah. He's just stood there in a daze for pretty much all of this. Yeah. Perfect condition to have a wedding in. Yeah. Um, But hey, they have the wedding anyway. Yep. And you'll never guess who crashes it. Uh, (laughs) uh, Oh, oh, no, actually, hold on. While we're on the subject of this guy, um, he's he's got photophobia or whatever it's called. The thing where bright lights will mess you up. Yeah, like that triggers his PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we learn this because um, when um, our doctor friend, 
our knows everything about space creatures friend shines him in the face with a little torch he has some kind of panic attack or something yeah he's he's not comfortable with it and yet he's perfectly fine out in like direct sunlight yeah uh, again i feel like this was um potentially due to the script changing because i believe i believe that there was a a scene with gazora where they mentioned it didn't like bright lights i don't think i made that up and i have a feeling that when he was uh grabbed by gazora that it's believable that considering the space amoeba is taking over monsters and later humans uh that he may have been taken over by one and that this flash was annoying the amoeba and therefore what was making him react to it they don't explain any of that no but but we do like this that doesn't a i I have so many complaints (laughs) so many complaints first off they know that he gets fucked up by bright lights right yes and yet they still and yet they still use flash photography at this wedding that he's in but it's a wedding do it in the day then (laughs) yep doesn't need to be this night. Secondarily, if your theory is right and it's a space amoeba thing, how is Aizen able to function near the bats? They, yeah, so they, they there's no explanation for that. We, <laughs> we know that Aizen, we know that the space amoeba is fucked up by echolocation. We it's established scientists has correctly guessed that that's what it is, and the space amoeba itself has gone around killing bats because yeah. that's his one weakness. And it later tells um, tells us that directly. Yes, it, it is all confirmed. The space amoeba inside Eisen never seems bothered by it, and Eisen just kind of. I, uh, like Eisen's the one like killing these bats so it's obviously not affected by it the only thing that is affected by it is the amoeba inside animals yes or, or inside gigantified animals specifically yeah yeah so I it could know, it could be something about is yeah it, it could be something about the making them big process that makes ultrasound a problem yes but again they do not explain it yep anyway since Eisen's been taken over by the space amoeba uh, which we saw earlier. Did we mention that? Uh, we didn't. It, it basically happens as soon as he kind of gets up on on shore. He's yep. he's just being killed and then comes back onto land because he's not actually dead, even though yep. all that blood was definitely his. Encounters and... a piece of the dead crab and the amoeba crosses over to him. Yep. There's a so... fantastic. There's a fantastic moment where he's got a stick held out that's touching the ground, and the amoeba like grabs onto the bottom of the stick, and he freaks the fuck out, but doesn't drop the stick. <laughs> It's a very good stick, and it's his stick. <laughs> it's not a very good stick. I'm not going to give my stick to this space amoeba. <sighs> it's my so, stick. So he gets infected and has been going around the island killing bats. Um, <laughs> because it's their I, one weakness. I just... Ugh, that sentence. Because it's because it's the one weakness. Uh, and then... <laughs> and 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 he later explains to the people still alive on the island that they can't possibly they, they cannot be left alive because they know the secret they know the vulnerability mm-hmm. and so in order for this space amoeba's plan to succeed this plan of taking over this island this planet rather 
uh, nobody can be allowed to survive who knows that ultrasound is is is, is its weakness. Yep. Um, um, we also get to see um, basically there's like a big uh, a few shots which kind of establish that as far as they know at the time all of the bats on the island are actually dead Eisen did go and kill all of the bats um, yep. turns out he did miss a few There's, they, I think they just they find a end cave. up on some cave um, and so the bats eventually fly off and uh, kind of hover around the um, the two remaining kaiju, the second crab and the turtle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but the bats are in the scenes involving the kaiju. They are drawn onto the film, and as basically like little tiny black specks because they're off in the distance harassing these uh, big monsters. But yep. they move in a way. The so they kind of all like flock around these monsters like birds, but the uh special effects team, I guess, didn't want to draw that many dots and therefore they mirrored the image and yeah. play. So basically, you've got like this big mass above each uh monster that is mirrored on either side of this mass, so it just looks like some weird Rorschach test, yeah. It looks like and... an animated Rorschach test rather than a swarm of bats. Yes, and it's all and like there's a separate swarm of bats above the other monster, which is in the exact same animation pattern as the yep. other one. They're in sync, so it just looks awful. Yep. Um. But it, bats is the one weakness of the kaiju, mm-hmm. and not well. It's it's the space amoeba's weakness, but only to the kaiju. And uh, yeah, I it, it's I, well. There's, there's a couple of there's a couple of important things here. Uh, one is. In order to get to the kai- the the kaiju, the bats needed to escape the cave that they were in that had been set on fire. Yeah. Um. And Aizen fights the space amoeba inside of him after being given a nice speech by uh by Hoshina. Yeah. Um. And event and manages to overcome his with his with his soul overcome the power of the space creature and pick up this door that's keeping the bats in. And pull it away, and all the bats flock out, and that's how that happened. Um, and I scientists... also note that the the door was just like a flimsy piece of wood that was resting against the entrance of the cave. Yeah, I'm pretty sure not... at least I'm pretty sure at least some of the bats could have made it around, out around the edges. Oh, they absolutely could have. Um, uh, but but yeah, no, the, the, he has this internal battle uh, and and takes them out. And our scientist friend accurately points out that his soul is fighting the space creature um he also points out that the bats make the kaiju revert to just plain monsters yeah and so for the 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 remaining duration of the film these are just these are no longer in control uh, uh, these are no longer being controlled by the the, the space, space amoeba so they just fight yeah, it's it's basically just a big excuse to have the crab and the turtle fight each other for a bit, which they um, do. They sure do. Uh, there's um, some there's some there's some really horny moments. There's a good suplex. Yeah, I we, don't feel like hmm? the turtle doesn't really do a lot. I feel like the crab is doing most of the work. Yeah, uh, the quite literally, just... the crab is doing most of the heavy lifting. Yes, <laughs> although the, the turtle the... does do the suplex, which is cool. Sure. Uh, but for the majority of it, the turtle's just kind of poking its extendable head out and biting at things and not much else. 
Yep. Um, we we are introduced to another of our running trends in these films. <sighs> yep. Uh, if you remember, uh, in if you listen to the last episode, we mentioned that uh, every kaiju film that the Tokyo Tower was built in has featured the Tokyo Tower both standing and being destroyed. <laughs> um, this film breaks that pattern. It, the Tokyo Tower did exist and is not in this film at all. No, because pretty uh, much the entire thing is set on this island. Yeah. However, it did make us realize that there is another trend and a trend that has happened now in all four movies, and that is that it has an active volcano in it. That, I, I know that that has been the thing. Have Kaiju died in the volcano in all four of the films? Uh, I know that both of the Rodans died in the volcano. Definitely in, not Gamera, because Gamera ended up on Mars or wherever it was. That's true, yes. Um, But there has at least been a volcano in all of them. Yep. Um, uh, but but yeah. bas- basically, these two kaiju just work their way up this mountain and Moriarty themselves into the volcano. Yep. <laughs> it, and then it erupts. Uh, and our and- doctor points out that nothing could remain alive in an erupting volcano, even space creatures. And he knows. He's tested, apparently. He has. Um, it's also worth noting that Aizen also jumps into the volcano at this point. Because well. he knows that he has to kill the last of the space amoeba. Yeah, he, he is the last thing the amoeba is in and therefore it's, must... It's worth noting at this point that the space amoeba was in three different creatures. Yep. There's no reason to believe that it wouldn't be in others as well, and there's also no reason that it wouldn't stay at the top of the cliff when Aizen jumps. Yeah, it could just jump out of Aizen as he falls down. Yep. Uh, I, I guess that they just put their uh, belief in the scientist who apparently knows everything, who says yep. that it's fine and that the space creatures can't survive it. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> and I, to be fair, well, I was going to say, like, Obata, Aizen, would know better than anybody else because he had the space amoeba talking to him all the time. Yeah. But it could have just been lying to him. Yeah. There's there's no reason to believe either the scientist or the space amoeba in what they were saying. Mm. Um, but either way, Aizen is now inside the volcano, and as far as we know, the space amoeba is 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 deaded. It's what one 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 last like specific thing to point out about an individual scene. We've got in the notes here that Aizen uh, terminators himself. <laughs> Um, because he is the last of his kind, he needs to kill the last of the space amoebas, and he does mm-hmm. it by jumping into lava. Well, I guess it was molten molten metal in Terminator. Yeah. Uh, but um, he, he we don't actually see it. We just see him jump. Yeah, he, it. it's, it's very uh, last minute. Yeah. You just see him jump, and you just are led to believe it was into the volcano. Yep. Um, which is strange, considering they've had, like, action figures for most of the quote-unquote stunts yeah but i don't know that they actually had access to a volcano like they had stock footage of a volcano they had some really good looking volcano stuff in rodan which was like a year or two before this and that's true studio that's true I'm sure they could figure it out yeah they didn't though no maybe the maybe the rodan <laughs> one was really expensive uh i mean i could believe that and obviously rodan got popular enough to get thrown into Ghidorah as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Who but can say? But that's just the end of the film. That's it. That's it. The end. Uh, I, I have a question for the audience. 
mm-hmm. um, which is this space stuff where a they've got an an unmanned probe that has a cabin in it, and also the way the orbital mechanics work in this film. Like, just mm-hmm. watch the first watch the first like five minutes, and you'll know what I mean. Is that sillier? I guess it's a question for you as well. Is that sillier than the Plan Z thing from from yes. Gamera? Yes, one hundred percent, absolutely. Like, well, uh, I feel like with uh, with uh, our one listener Homsar's suggestion after after yes. we watched first episode, it kind of yeah, there was reason to Plan Z, even though they were really shit explaining what it was until it happened. Yep. Um, I guess the way this is framed is less silly, but what actually happened is sillier. Yeah, I mean, like even if you kind of suspend disbelief and that they could do a round trip to Jupiter in three and a half years, and why ever they may have had a cabin on an unmanned probe, hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. But the 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 shot itself of the probe turning, doing a one eighty, and coming back is incredibly funny it's really 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 good because it's worth noting as well that the the shot of the probe on whatever like fishing wire it was on was shot in uh what i have to assume was like a big a box with some star like you know just space and stars in the back um and the stars are obviously not moving so the 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 probe is doing that 180 whilst all of the stars in the background are stationary. There mm-hmm. is no sense of movement at all other than this probe turning. Until it starts blasting. Yeah. At which point it just yeets off to the left. Yeah, so as far, we're led to believe that the, the probe is just stationary in space, yep. not moving at and, all. Uh, and we understand that at this, at this frame of reference, it would be impossible to see the stars moving, but like... This is this is in cinematic language. They are very much communicating that this thing is stationary. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they go through the trouble as well of having like little side boosters on the probe to show that it's turning around. Well, yeah, but they only fire once it starts slowing around the turn. Like they don't fire, and t- it's it's yes, complete nonsense. it's it's inconsistent. But they tried. Yeah, with that bit specifically, it's somewhat. Yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, and that's space in me, but I guess it's time for Colons' cuddle corner. I've heard of this. Um, so there are three creatures in. Oh, we should establish this is where I take all of the um, the monsters in the film, and I try to imagine how good uh, cuddly toys based on them would be. Mm-hmm. And 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 give them one to five stars. Sure. Uh, and there are three uh, three monsters in this film. Um, the first of them, the is 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 Gezora, the Kisslip cuttlefish kaiju, which is just a big old squid. Uh, a very good looking squid. Very good. Very big squid. Very big, very big arms. I'm looking at GIF number four in our thing, Chris. Uh, uh, for, yep. For this one, if you want to pull that up, which am, is a shot of Gazzotta walking towards the camera uh, in in just broad daylight. <laughs> I, I should add as well that this this particular shot of Gazzotta, which I'll put in the show notes on, on thegloriablog.com, 
uh, when this episode goes live, but this shot of Gazora in particular is literally the reason why I decided to watch Space Amoeba. <laughs> okay, good to know. Um, That's understandable. It, it was, <laughs> yeah, it, Gazora is the only character slash monster that I knew of before watching this film, and it is the reason we watched it. So there's a couple of things to note about this shot. One, oh God, Gazora's just adorable. Yeah, just such a precious, such a precious friend. I want to hug it so bad. It's got both of its big tentacles out in front of it, like as if it wants to hug. And <laughs> it looks like it's doing its best. It looks so much like it's doing its best. Um, it's it's like, really trying to be a kaiju. Yep, its top shell thing is kind of falling off already, though. Um. Which makes me wonder if maybe the scene late in the film where it falls off all the way was actually an accident, and then they were like, actually, that looks pretty good, we'll keep it. I 100% believe that from just things I have read about suit malfunctions in these films. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, this thing is precious, and I love it. Uh, the, the, the appendages are simple, but not, not, not too skinny, I don't think. I think you could make... A pretty good, a pretty good friend out of this. Uh, let me have a look at the other ones. See, see how it could place relative to them. Um, uh, Are you consulting the previous? I'm also, I'm also consulting. It, it, yeah, I've already said that it's, it's, it's precious. Um, it's got a big, a big center mass, a big, a big, a big main body you can hug. Um, it's always got these two arms out in front of it, but it's got a lot more if you want to like get creative with your hugs. It's got many appendages with which it can hug you with. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you had like a really big one, you could just like tie knots. Um, it could like hug you four or five times over. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just good. Um, the only other five star that I've given out was uh Godzilla from Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Sure. Uh I think this I think this belongs there. You know? Hmm. I think this does belong uh in that category. It's very vertical and not spiky. It's a good good surface to grip onto. Yeah. Um so yeah, five stars to uh Gezora, Uh tied with I mean, this is, we're not ranking. We're not, this isn't numbers. This is just five stars. It's just five stars. Five stars. It's just good, five stars. Good, yes, it's just five stars. It's a good, a good, 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 good friend. And I do want to hug it. And I will be keeping an eye out for cuddly versions of this thing. I don't expect to see any. This, I, I believe in you. <laughs> this brings us to our, our crab friend, our rubble crab, Ganime, um, who is horrible. Yeah, anime. Who is horrible and was a mistake. Ganime was a mistake. Ganime is just trying its best. I don't even believe that. It was born with those lips. Okay. Uh so yeah, let's get to the face. It it has a face not even a mother could love. Um <laughs> I mean it's just awful. It's got like it it it's got eyes that kind of like if you describe them sound similar to Gedoras uh, rather I'm thinking of the word Ghidorah Gedoras 
but they're like on appendages and they move kind of robotically. It's got these big old antennas and claws and it's covered in gross spikes and the mouth is this like vertical array of horrible pincers and I just don't like them and I don't and know how hairy. you and it's hairy which is weird for a crab. Um, I mean, I could believe it just being like uh, seaweed or algae that just kind of rocked up on it and also got large. Yes. I will not rule out that it is possible to make an adorable version of this thing. I just can't see it. Um, Do you think it would be more comfortable to hug this? Considering, like, with it being a crab, its arms are pretty wide. It would be a. It would be pretty easy for it to grip you in a, in a hug, um, versus something like a gamera, which is just spiky. So I, we see. There's a lot of shots in this film where you see like bits of the crab, um, mm. but it does. It is just a crab, like yeah. the arms are not that big, and it. It is very literally just a giant crab. Yeah. There, there is no kaiju weirdness to it. It is just a crab that got big. And I have uh, some cuddly crabs. Excuse me? I have some cuddly crabs. They're from Weeble. I, I am aware. I did, in fact, look Rescue after one, one of yours. Yeah, uh, from, from <laughs> university halls, I believe. Um, yeah, but no. Where is it? I, I, um, but, but I feel like you couldn't if you were going to make a adorable cuddly version of this thing it would be indistinguishable from any other crab plushie like this thing has few enough distinguishing features that aren't mm. horrible that it would be impossible to make a cuddly version of it that isn't horrible that wasn't just a crab if you know what i, I guess, mean i guess i would like to see what some aquariums might offer because I'm sure that something similar to this exists in big plushy form. Probably, yeah. Uh, but again, it would just be a crab. Just like point. a realistic crab. It wouldn't be a Ganymede. Yeah, I'm it not, I'm not going to say a crab. No. But um, a Ganymede is just a crab. A rubble crab, apparently. Yeah. I don't like it. I'm giving it two. That's one more than I thought you were going to give it, so fair enough. I mean, it's compared to Rodan and Rodan King Ghidorah. Which are like it? It's got it's got a mast that you could hug. Like it would mm. be possible to. Um, I don't. I don't think it's bad enough to. It's just yeah. I don't know. I, I sure. It, I feel like it would be huggable, sort of. And also, I don't want Ashley listening to this podcast. Ashley, by the way, for listeners, is my uh my cuddly giant isopod who I love dearly. <laughs> Um, I think you're in. You're. You have to get a photo. I don't know how we're going to fit all these photos and gifts into this show. I notes, mean, if you but... if you Google plush giant isopod, you'll see it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's the one. It's pretty well known. It's yep. pretty famous. You might say. Yep, Ashley is a famous a famous isopod. Um, <laughs> and the last uh, kaiju we need to talk about is Kamoeba, the Mata Mata turtle. Yep. Um, we've established my position on turtles. They, yep, you famously hate them. Uh, <laughs> they make very good cuddly toys. Um, but this one is also... Like, this one suffers from some of the same flaws of the crab. It doesn't have a horrible face. It actually has a pretty good face. Um, 
uh, it's in like a, a similar leak to Gamera with its turtle head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got little stumpy arms that that uh, that are pretty good. Uh, I could absolutely see a recognizable version of this thing being pretty adorable. I do wonder how you would do the extending neck, though, if at all. I guess you could just not bother. What if there was like a little airbag inside the body that when you pushed it, it sprung its neck out? <laughs> it's squeeze my hip and watch my neck expand. Yeah. <laughs> I guess action that would be feature. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I want an action feature in my cuddly toy. And that's kind of the, like, you could do it with like a, a piston or something. But then you've that's got like this hard plastic. Huggable. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So I think you just have to leave it. You could leave it expanded or leave it retracted, I suppose. Um, <laughs> there are words to live by. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. This, this, this. As 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 long as you could make this, you could get some interesting texturing with the with the spikes on this thing, I suppose. But ultimately, it would end up just being like a like a pillow i think the best version of this thing is just a pillow mm. which is... i i feel like the so the the massa massa turtle is very flat it is not like it doesn't have a rounded shell so much as it's quite flat so it would lend itself well to a pillow i think yeah yeah i mean the the so is this so is this monster yeah that's what i mean like it 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 it's not for someone that hasn't seen it. It's not like a big rounded shell that your head could roll off of. It is pretty flat. Yeah, and and you could always just turn it upside down, even if it was too rounded for you. Sure. Which is it's often not fair on the turtle I, that way, though. I mean, we're talking about stuffed toys here. Yeah. And my <laughs> stuffed turtle is often upside down. You might want to ask that stuff, Toy, what they think about that. I will do that after this call. Unfortunately, Jack is. I've got Jack's leg in front of me here, but uh, Jack is in the wow. other room. Yeah, no, it's a bit grim. Um, and another turtle that got blown up on an island, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but anyway, this turtle I think would make a pretty good stuffed toy, but not like a remarkable one. Not one that I would look at and go, "Oh, I need that." Mm. Not one that I would look at and go, this must be protected. <laughs> I, I think this would be a solid, a solid middle of the road, good, maybe just for the novelty, I would need need it because it's a cuddly toy of a kaiju, like a weird, obscure kaiju. But yeah. it, in the premise of this, where all of them exist, uh, I, I think this is this is kind of, it's not bad. It's not great. It is, I think, the definition of a three star. Okay. Um, which means that uh, Gezora, our first kaiju, gets a, a five stars. Uh, uh, Ganymes, the horrible crab, gets two. And um, God, it's such a horrible crab. And uh, and Ganymes, the horrible crab, is it literally <laughs> its Wikipedia entry? <laughs> And Cam, however, gets uh, gets three. Um, it's a pretty pretty good showing in general, mm-hmm. I would say, above yeah. average. Yeah, we got we got um, our we got our first five star, our second five star rather. Mm. Um, cool. So I guess that brings us into our final section relating to this one in particular, uh, the ranking. <laughs> 
So after this film, that actually, it puts us on 10 kaiju total in the ranking. I thought you were about to say 10 kaiju road. 10 kaiju road is where (laughs) I live uh, soon. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so uh, it's an interesting kind of group of monsters because... For a start, um, Gazora doesn't fight any other monster. It just it only attacks some humans and then dies. It's a good point. Um, the other two fight, or at least one version of the crab fights the turtle. Yes, um, Are you, uh, that's a point. Are they getting two different rankings? Absolutely not. We did not count Rodan the second from Rodan. Okay, fair. Um, we do have two Rodans in this list, but because they were two different films, <laughs> not yes. because there were two Rodans. Yep. Um. But yeah, so it, it's kind of hard to rank them because they're kind of not... We don't get to see a lot of them either. Even the uh, turtle and the crab. like The crab especially does not get a lot of screen time, even though there are two of them. Um, but uh, I have... So I'm going to kind of just run down the uh, the ranking as it is rather than try and insert them like I did last episode and sound incredibly confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to run down the list from bottom to top and I will, I will mention where our, our new creatures are fitting in. So at number one, I know we're going reverse. We've got to build up to it. At number 10 is Meganulon from Rodan from episode two, which is the garbage insect thing. Yes. At- it's the like basic bug type Pokemon that no one cares about. <laughs> the Caterpie at number nine. Is Mofra from Ghidorah the Free-Headed Mof- Monster, which is a slight <laughs> Ghidorah the Free, Ghidorah the Free-Headed Mofra, which is a slightly evolved Bug-type Pokemon that nobody cares about. Well, no, it wasn't because, well, I guess it was kind of the Metapod stage because it was not a a Moth. Oh, you're film. right. Yes, no, yes, that was yep. At it number did string shot. At number eight is Ganymede from Space Amoeba, which is the uh, crab. Sure is. Yeah had to remember them because the names are bad um yeah so out of all of the free monsters i feel like the crab is easily the weaker one it's it's hard to kind of compare to gazora because gazora really just kills a few humans and that's about it but kind of looking at what gazora can do versus ganymus which is just it does crab stuff and dies pretty easily. Yeah. It has claws, but doesn't really demonstrate its strength. Yep. Uh, so I, I feel like I, it's an easy number eight here. I, I buy this. Gazora could absolutely beat that crab. Because um, yeah. the crab has a bunch of legs that it can use to walk around, but do nothing else with, and two claws. And Gaz- Very vulnerable eyes. And Gazora has like a bunch of tentacles that it not only can do things with, is shown to do things with. Yeah. Which is important. And I guess this brings us to number seven, which is Gazora <laughs> from Space Amoeba. Um, yeah, I, I I think in comparison to the rest of the monsters on this list, it's it, I don't think it would hold up pretty well in a fight. The the what I would like to have seen, I guess, is Gazora versus Camebus, the other monster that hasn't shown up yet uh, from this film. But alas, we don't, and therefore we have to kind of invent what might have happened if those two fought. But yeah, I I feel like Gizora is a pretty safe bet here uh, versus what what is on our list from here on. Yep. Uh, which is number six. Rodan from Rodan. 
I feel like we've spoken enough about Rodan. That, Number five. You know, Rodan from Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. <laughs> Number four. Camivus uh, from Space Amoeba is where we've put the turtle. So I'm curious about your justification for this. Yeah, so it's hard to uh, kind of rank Camoebus and Rodan because Camoebus really doesn't do a lot. Uh, the only reason it dies is because it goes into a volcano. It doesn't seem to take any kind of noticeable damage. Doesn't seem particularly good at attacking things, but then neither does Rodan. Uh, counter, right. Counterpoint, it suplexes uh, Gazzada. Sure, which is one suplex no, sorry, more than Rodan did. It, it suplexes Ganymas. So, yes. Yeah. Um, Rodan in both films, it, it it's really, like, Rodan would be ranked higher in a like list that was more interested in how deadly to humans they would be. Yes. That's not what this is. Yeah, monster versus monster. Like, if a Rodan was fighting that Camoebus, I don't think the Camoebus would give any amount of shits that it was flying around above. Hmm. So, that is why Camoebus is number four. Number three. Godzilla from Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Um, We talked about that in that that episode, I think. Yes, and also we've we've now done all of the monsters from this film, so there's no need to justify them versus them. Yeah, number two is King Ghidorah. Number one is Gamera. Yep, like they haven't changed. Yep. Um, yeah, I feel I feel pretty happy about how that list looks. I for, I I, to- um, I I very much get your uh, your justification for like Camibus as a as a defensive powerhouse. Mm-hmm. I. I'm not sure how to justify this. Like, I, I don't know how. I don't know how you like. At some point, we're going to get into rock paper scissors situations where, yeah, where this gets a bit more complicated. But my reading of the scene at the end of this film with the volcano mm-hmm. is that they're, neither of them are really in control, and they both die. But I feel, <laughs> I feel like maybe the crab had more control of the situation at the end. But I, that might be. It's difficult to tell. It's all kind of a mess. Yeah, I, I, I guess like within the the film, I would probably agree that the crab was probably more in control of the situation. But at the same time, I don't think Camibus was bothered by anything that the crab was doing. I feel like it only really was a problem that there was a volcano there. That I can that I can buy. That I can absolutely yeah. buy. Um but yeah, it's hard to say because even though this was a big kind of free monster movie, it it didn't really do that much. No, they they with don't them. they don't really interact with each other. And even like Camibus and uh Ganymes, while they do fight, they never fight each other while they are like at full power, while they are under their full wits. Yeah, they are they are meant to be confused and lashing out because yeah, they're, es- they're essentially they're gigantic. They're essentially feral at the time that they start fighting each other. Yeah. So yeah, there's our there's our top ten. Um, I think like for future episodes, we're going to need to come up with like a better way to run through this list, but just quicker. Yeah, I, I guess we'll just have to uh, maybe just approach where the new monsters fit in and what's either side of them. Yeah, but... and and the full list will be in the show notes. I trust. Uh, it hasn't been, but yeah, it's getting to the point where we're going to need to put it somewhere yep. because it's going to get far too unwieldy to keep reading out. Yep. Um, but yeah, that that about wraps uh, Space Amoeba. Um, 
we will be back in October, some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, with I, what? With uh, so the the reasoning for this film uh, is basically we wanted to avoid doing another Toho or a Dai film because we've done a lot of them. The, all of these four films have been those. Um, so we are going to be watching a South Korean film uh, called. Yong Gary the Monster from the Deep or Yong Gary Monster from the Deep there's no the in that how many G's uh, are there in Yong Gary <laughs> in in this version of Yong Gary it's one I see <laughs> in uh, in the Yong Gary sequel in 1999 there are two don't ask I have no idea it's, it's fine this is why we have different rankings for different versions of monsters from different films yes it'll it'll only help us in the long run yep um but yeah, this is a this is a kaiju film from South Korea. Um, the interesting thing about this film in particular is the original film with South Korean dub, well not dub, well you know just the South Korean audio is lost. It is there, there is no version of it. Hmm. The only surviving version of this film is the localized North American version. So we will be experiencing some great North American dub, I'm sure, but. I feel like we'll get the majority of the film anyway, and it's the only way we can experience that film at this point anyway. Yep. So, and like while look forward to that. While I am suspicious of uh, an an American re re edit, I was surprised at how good King of the Monsters was. Yeah, yes, um, and it's done by I forget the name of the company, but it's done by the same. Uh, studio. Oh, cool. Who did the American King of the Monsters? So, I, I feel pretty good that the story won't be changed in any significant way. Cool. Um, there might be a fun inserted American character, but I guess we'll we'll find out. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I guess for for next episode, I just need you to find some cool kaiju stuff to talk about from your upcoming holiday. Uh I'll try. Yes, I know. I need you to seek it out specifically. Okay. I need you to ask people on the streets. Do you know Ganymes? I will go to. I will go to the Shinjuku Toho Cinema and, in- <laughs> and the- interview Godzilla. <laughs> Good. Print off the the ranked list and uh, ask people if they agree with it. <laughs> Just bring like a <laughs> a, a flip chart with some post its yep. um... <laughs> and some pictures of some monsters. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. So. Um, next episode should be uh, our somewhat regular time in the middle of next in the middle of next month in October. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, we'll have some uh, fun stories to talk about. But if not, we will at least have South Korea's finest kaiju, Yongari, to to talk about. Well, you say finest; it'll be the finest on our list at first. It might be the only, well. I guess the other Young Gary is still out there to be ranked. Yeah. So there's at least two. Yeah. I. I mean, um, I, I, are there any others that you're aware of? Uh, I'm sure there are, but I can't think of them. Off fair the top enough. Of my head. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I suppose we will have to compare it to Pulgasari, North Korea's oh, version, at some point. Yeah, we will have to watch Pulgasari again at some point, won't we? <laughs> Audience, we've seen Pulgasari before, but years ago. But yeah, we will be covering mm. it at some point. Maybe we'll do it for a Christmas special or an April Fool's or something. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that wraps this one up. So uh, check out the show notes on theglorioblog.com, which will be live at the same time this uh, podcast is up. And you'll be able to read along. You'll basically see some timestamps and some fun GIFs and maybe the uh, trailer for the film if we can find it. Oh, and um, also just a link to the whole film. 
Yes, uh, we, we link to the archive.org versions of these films. So if you want to watch the film before you listen to this, you can do so by going there or just finding it yourself. And get mad at our complete misinterpretation of what's going on in this film. Sure. I would absolutely believe that we have misinterpreted a bunch of stuff. Um, we did it deliberately to try and encourage conversation, you see. No, actually, I got it perfectly fine. Uh, it's just that Chris made a bunch of edits to make me sound like I didn't understand what was going on. No, I'm only, I only make trouble when I forget to remove the edit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's this. We'll see you next uh, month. Bye. Bye, John Gary. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>